what's that process called? <laughs> okay, right. Let me have a go. Methanogenin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. Go on, Pete. And there's, your, there's your cold open joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is it methanogenesis? Methanogenesis. You've yes. been practicing, haven't you? Yeah, that's not fair, Pete. That was my first time it. saying it out loud. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views, and several of the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Morning, Pete. Morning, Pete. How do we find you? Do I send you a link to Squadcast and you click the link and here I am? He writes all his own material, folks. <laughs> He's here till Thursday. Try the deal. Uh, anyway, before you get started, because Thursdays are news days uh, mm-hmm. here in, in, in the Australian Brews News offices. Um, you really should make it Tuesday because that would just track better, wouldn't it? It would track better, wouldn't <laughs> it? Tuesday, it would help better, yeah. People just do not want to play ball. Um, and we record <sighs> this on a Thursday, so it wouldn't be news. Who's selling out this yeah. time? Cutting through, a story that we're working on this morning, we have had confirmation of it, but we haven't had sort of official, you know, we've been told, we've confirmed it, but we haven't sort of heard from the company that, you know, we know that, you know that we know that you know that we know, um, and, 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 and a comment. Let's play the game. Okay, so anyway, big news is uh, Coca-Cola Europe-Pacific Partners, which used to be Coca-Cola Amatil until it was bought by Coca-Cola Europe and became a European partners, uh, sorry, Europe Pacific partners, has announced that it will be withdrawing from beer um, in Australia. So getting out of the beer caper. Getting out of the beer caper. Now, um, that matters cool. because they obviously bought um, Feral and own Feral. So if they're getting out of beer, they're putting Feral um, up for sale. No announcement of the sale as yet. Um, but they also have a uh, joint venture with Casella um, in Central New South Wales. Around the Griffith area. So, yeah, yeah the wine, uh, well-established Australian wine family, Casella Wines. Yellowtail Wines, the Critter Wines, um, you know, huge in, in, in the US. And you and I were there, Matt, when it launched. That, that, that's very, there, which is 2012. impressive brewery. Doesn't time fly? But this is one of those rivulets um, sort of winding into a river because if you go back, um, they started that in 2012. Then SAB Miller was in a joint venture with Coca-Cola and they had the Blue Tongue Brewery that SAB Miller then bought CUB, buying out Coca-Cola. But as part of that, Coca-Cola got Fiji breweries um, and was precluded from brewing in Australia for a number of years. Um, uh, As that agreement set to expire... Coca-Cola entered a joint venture or announced their intention to enter a joint venture and eventually a joint venture with Casella to make beer. Um, Now, of course, nothing ever went anywhere. Nothing really went with Casella. They launched that brewery in 2012 around the time that the Australian dollar was at parity um, with the US dollar. The, The story that we were told when we visited in June 2012, Pete, was, you know, this is twice what we wanted to spend, but we decided we had to go big because we were always on the back foot with our demand for our wine in America. And even though they didn't say that they were going to send beer to America... It was in... in, What's the difference between inferred and implied? Well, it it was kind of like, look, we've we've sent 90,000 containers, loads of of just yellowtail to the US every year. Uh, There is an opportunity for us, obviously, to produce far more beer than we think we can sell in the local market, certainly, you know, to our locals in Griffith and and the surrounds. Um, I assumed that it was going to be we're going to, you know, fill the half containers with with Arvo. Yeah. We should also just point out they also, at that point, uh, had, or not not long after, the the licence to brew Cronenberg and... Carlsberg, maybe, which then eventually went to Coopers. They, I remember yeah, they, were, they, were, they were producing some other. They, they, they were producing some other beers, and it was because yeah, they, they had the, the, the pasteurizers. They had a little pilot oh, it was plant like an with a pasteurizer head 
um, filler machine that just that moved at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Was- From memory, it was about a $65 million brewery. Um, and again, it seemed to be, look, we've got this pathway into the US, dollar, you know, is so it... Wine's already going there. It, we it can, makes sense. Dollar the beer was yet. called Arvo that didn't really resonate in Australia, but was, you know... You, you could just sort of see it. It's Australian for... Like know, a brew or a Foster's. Beer in the afternoon, yeah. What they're so trying to do with that. Never went anywhere. They did launch um, Yellowtail as a brand in 2016 um, to send to the US. Never heard anything about that. Yellowtail beer. Yeah, yeah Yellowtail beer. beer. How weird oh, is okay. that? But that. isn't that interesting that they think that the audience and consumers for wine and beer would be so similar and overlapping that they'd have exactly the same experience as they've had with wine with beer? Well... But it, it's a really common story. You, mm. you, you did hear a lot of very small breweries, much smaller than them, say, oh, I wish I'd built a b- bigger brewery. And mm. no one knows. It's, you know, you, you've got your unknown unknowns. Well, there's bigger for a small brew pub and then there's bigger for them. But then they've got their experience. And, yeah. you know, like, God, I mean, I, I have never operated business on anything on that level, but just on my little scale, you don't know. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you do something and you think that you've got good intelligence and you think you've got, you know. I'll never a, a, fill a, these tanks. Yeah, yeah. The, the um, we'll always be uh, have room to to increase our capacity, and before yeah. you know it, you know you get it could be you know one big order from Uncle Dan's, um, or you, you you know New South Wales wants your beer, or you catch lightning in a bottle, like um, as they did uh, with Yellowtail, and that was their or, experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it was for whatever reason that uh, Aboriginal artwork kangaroo clearly was it 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 touched all the you know all the. The, t- the touch points in terms of marketing, it got attention. Um, it said to people, it's obviously, it's clearly Australian. We like Australian. Australian is quality. Um, and it, and it was uh, dirt cheap. And it's, it's well, like, sorry, a, it was very good value for money. You can, <laughs> you can, you know, analyze it anyway in hindsight. Oh, and before I forget too, just, we, you were going back through the, through the family tree there and you mentioned Fiji brewery. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, the Fiji brewery was where, uh, Brad Rogers famously got his rocks off. He brewed there for some time. Uh, and, and that's where he collected rocks the volcanic the rocks, bit, yeah. which was always going to be. So, yeah. So no announcement yeah. about, um, what's going to happen with the Fiji brewery or, or, or you know, cause they, they've got brewing interest right around the, uh, Pacific, but is this specifically to Australian or it's so just moment, Australia what we know for the, what we've confirmed we're just is it's just, uh, you know, Australia. So yeah. we don't know. I think, you know, what they, they've got Fiji. Do they own Vonu? I don't even know. Um, I think they might own Vonu, which is their craft brand. And cause I think they were going to distribute that. But anyway, it's, yeah, just. And how does it times. affect things like, do they still have Recorder League? Or, um... They do have Recorder League, so they will be keeping Recorder League because um, that fits within their um, that fits within their profile, apparently. Brand strategy? Or their brand strategy, conscious, yeah. And conscious business decision? It, 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 it's interesting. I, I think it is, you know, even though Feral has um, grown, you know, they've managed to grow Feral since taking it over, it hasn't, and it's still very strong, making awesome beer, you know, no reflection on Feral. A company that's this big, and they've got Jim Beam in Australia, I think. They, they certainly do have a oh, okay. spirits portfolio, and the margins on a product like that that doesn't go off, that, you know, distribution channels are a little bit different, um, different range of venues stock it, you know, different market yep. to craft beer. Um, and if your sales dip a little bit, you can always just throw money at a, a campaign and all of a sudden everyone, you know, oh, mm. everyone knows Jack Daniels or Wild yeah. Turkey or whatever. Yeah. For Very different from starting a brand in a beer market and then scaling that and all of those sorts of things. And I, I just get the feeling that even if it's profitable, just don't have the interest in, in, in the level of profit. You know, it's yeah, you know, it's kind of like uh, if, if I pay, pay my staff at Brews News each week, which I do, um, Claire's very nodding, very thankful. It's true. Yes, um, I appreciate that. You know, to me, that is a successful week. Um, <laughs> for <Me> them, <laughs> just paying the bills or, and, and maybe having a little bit of money for a coffee at the end of the week or, you know, you sort of a, you know, lash out with a nice bottle of beer or something like that, not – CCEP's, um, you know, idea of a profitable business. So, yeah, anyway, very, very interesting um, news. It's it's developing as we speak. We haven't got official comment. That's what we know. Um, so very much watch this space at the moment. Um, jump on Bruce News. You'll, you'll, you'll probably see it come out. Just can, can I throw to you two? What, um, so who who buys Feral? So first of all, is, is, do you reckon oh, Brendan kept, pot- kept a bit options. of the pocket money that he earned in the in the original sale? Is he mm. and okay. did he invest that, or did he run that through the pokies and triple it? And <laughs> if you were Brendan Barris, would you like to buy your 
brand back. Funnily enough, they- completely unrelated to this, I reached out to Brendan uh, a couple of weeks back just to touch base with him because I, you know, he'd, he'd quietly left, um, you know, involvement, and that was one of the things. Apparently, CUB was very interested in buying Feral at the same time that CCA did. I think. CC, uh, CUB offered more money, but there was that three, you know, one, three, five year earn out that ties the owner to the business. Um, and whereas CCA gave Brennan much more freedom for less money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we talked about it last week on um, Below the Fold. You know, the, the, the opportunity cost. If you accept more money, there are constrictions around that. Um, and, you know, Brendan made that decision. Whether or not he wants to, the fact that he left, whether he wants to get back in, because he would have paid out the, the, the again, speculation, don't know, but I'm presuming that he, you yeah. know, he, he did talk about the financial burden that the two brewery builds in a short period of time had and, you know, all of that. And not dissimilar, Matt, to, to what the Stone and Wood guys have gone through, you know, in the last six months, because you get to that point where you go, for us to become profitable and sustainable and to, um, you know, we've got to take on more staff, so therefore I need more cash flow. So I've got to sell more beers. So I've got to make more beers. So, uh, Again, it's not, it's not, the just, not just buy another tank. The, the, the storytelling oh, no, no, no. around uh, you know, Stonewood was very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but again, people wanted to do different but things. Do you, do you want to do, yeah. Well, look, well, let's use the, the Mountain Goat guys as that example of, of the the massive hard slog that they put in for mm. 18 years. And then at the 18-year mark, they go, do we want to kind of start again and like buy a heap of debt or, uh, you know, like do this big expansion or do we say, you know, maybe it's it's better for somebody else with a huge wadges of cash uh, to come in and, and, and take it to the to the next phase? Exactly. So, you know, I, I don't think um, I, I, I'd be very surprised. Um, but then it's a question of whether they just want to get out and they just want to realise it or whether they want to extract full value the way that, you know, you know, if, if you're It'll selling be a fire sale, do you think that? Are you hinting that perhaps it's, you know, oh, no, everything well, must go? Well, no. <laughs> Crazy no, prices. No, no not, not hinting anything at all, but, you know, whether they'll get the same value that they oh, paid. Oh, yeah, they get feral for free. Because as, as we <laughs> talked about last week, you know, the stone and wood value was based on lion probably being willing to, being a motivated buyer to pay more because it fixed a problem for them that gave it a different value to them than it did to anybody else in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, CCA... You know, it was still early days in the takeover. You know, all of the brewery takeovers. CCA wanted to get in the market. You know, whether there's there is as motivated a purchaser who's willing to pay that. And you know, let's face it. Given that they're willing to get out of a market that is presumably profitable, but not as profitable as I would like. You know, it doesn't have the margins. You know, maybe they are willing to take a you know a, a loss on what they paid originally. To just just to get out and not have that. Distraction. We just need that cash yeah. in, in, to put into something more long term profitable. Yeah, or, or, or just get out of the distraction. It's it's not something we want to do. Our vision is elsewhere, um, and, and just get out. So who who knows? It begs the obvious question, Matt. CUB, or sorry, uh, you know, Kieran or Asahi, or like a, one of those in the market and would. Uh, the oh, allow it, or right again, like I, you know, I said, you know, before the line board. Is, it, is this wood. in the wheelhouse? Perhaps of you know, throw a, a, a ruffie into the mix as we're coming into uh, uh, Melbourne Cup season, <laughs> Spring Carnival. Um, someone like Mighty Craft. Well, they did put a trading halt on their yes. you know, pending an announcement yeah, they um, did. yesterday. Although that, and that would have been a that is a bit of a coincidence if, they well, did, it, if it, it's look, unrelated. It, it, and, and and this is where we're completely speculating. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, again, looking at. They did publish their cash figures yesterday, and there's not a lot of money in the tank. Yep, there, even though they're like offloading assets and. Funnily such. enough, around the time that they announced that they were buying Adelaide Hills Distillery, um, you know, and, and the Mismatch brand, I had heard rumours that they were looking at buying the Ender Brewery, um, you know, sort of rolling that up. Which, yeah, but again, it, it, it's rumours, you know, like it, 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 same rumours that I dismissed around. You know, Sonam Wood selling, or you know, convinced myself wasn't going to be the case because the fundamental change in narrative that Stone Wood would have required for that to be true. There's a world that we don't know. Quoting Donald Trump's, you got your known knowns, you got your unknown unknowns, and then you got your known unknowns. You know, all of that plays. We don't know, but you know, we do know that Mighty Craft is in a trading halt. Um, maybe Feral, you know, if it was discounted, they'd have the money, or they'd got a capital raise planned, or who knows. 
who knows? But it, yeah, just interesting times. And we should just point out to Matt, just or reiterate that to our listeners who are listening now, and this, as we're doing this live on Thursday morning, that this is as much as we know. That what we what you said basically in your first two sentences is is what we know to be you know reasonably official. The rest I've never said that anything we've done in two sentences, sentences on this podcast. Spe- <laughs> speculation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and. It, Again, which and is stay what we tuned do. for a whole new below the fold that we'll uh, record twice. <laughs> Observation and, and commentary. Upload. But uh, anyway, <laughs> that's that's what we know. You may see a story out, you know, by the time this goes to air tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted. All right, watch your space. Now back to back uh, to the show notes and back to the show. <laughs> Uh, and we cross live now to uh, the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of stories making news this week in beer. And Claire, we begin with well, we begin we continue with breweries for sale. Um, <laughs> Southern Bay Brewing Company, uh, sadly, placed in liquidation. Yep, that's the one. Sadly, sadly, but perhaps not Not surprising. Yes, and that's the kind of uh, idea we got from the comments on the Facebook post that was a little bit of, oh, I forgot they were even there. Like, were they around? Um, So anyway, uh, on Monday, I believe, uh, they called in the liquidators. um, They they posted a notice uh, to ASIC, which is obviously what you have to do. Obviously, it's really early stages at the minute, uh, but yet Southern Bay is in liquidation. I spoke to the liquidator who said uh, that turnover had dropped significantly over the past couple of years. Um, He said while some of it's COVID-related, some of it's also competition-related, he said that uh, Southern Bay had a lot of ageing equipment, things that needed an upgrade. It needed a bit of TLC, basically. And while that's, as again, still early stages, they reckon they might be able to sell it uh, so we'll watch this space, see if uh, we can get a new owner for Southern Bay and keep it going. It's 30 years old, isn't it? Well, longer, it, it's older than that. I mean, I when I f- first got into restaurants, um, there was uh, Bearings, Bearings Bitter um, and Geelong Draft or Geelong Bitter. Oh, yeah. Um, and I knew, I found out later on that they were all coming out of what is now Southern Bay Brewing Co. I can't remember what the might have even been Geelong Brewing. It was, yeah. It was Geelong Brewing originally. Co. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think they might have even made Wattle Wattle Lager. Um, but anyway, mm. uh, it, it was just one of those things where, like, it, it was it was old back then, um, and they've just never sort of done any capital improvement. Yeah. To the thing, and I. And that that makes it hard to attract quality brewers because you can only wring so much out of, uh, you know, it's like a a home brewer. But you look at what Hendo, like Hendo was there and it was really interesting to see the chats and, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, the the reminiscences. Yeah, Hot Bazooka, Mm. which was a beer that Hendo was making. uh, Requiem Pilsner. He was was there. And, uh, you know, the the industry moves on. Um, As Hendo said, you know, the the dosing rates, um, God, I mean, that was, you know, nine, eight, nine years ago we were recording the podcast because we i remember doing a podcast with i think somebody i'm trying to think of who the podcast was maybe it was even with hendo and sam fuss walked in i think sam fuss was contracting oh yeah yeah she was yeah she was brewing not even old salt uh or maybe it was old salt and she'd come down to check on her brew yeah yeah and 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 so it's been an incubator for so many brands um but it, it, you know, brewers talk about how old it was and those sorts of things. It's, it, going back to our earlier chat, you know, the fine balance and, and the luck that it's involved in both modernising and not overcapitalising, but then, you know, not being too aggressive in your expansions and taking on too much debt. Um, but it just shows you can't, you know, the, the contract brewing world has changed so much where you've got places like, um, you know, Yenda, contract brewing for a whole lot of brands, you know, including Stone and Wood. You've got um, uh, tribe breweries, and I'm just trying to think of what they used to be called, Pete, um, when they were... Stock A. Oh, Brewpack. Brewpack. When they were... Brew, you know, so it was Brewpack and Southern Bay were two of the um, brewers. Um, tribe well, now two. has a very modern brewery um, that they've expanded. You've got Brick Lane, yep. you know, which is one of the... You know, State so, of the art. One of the best breweries in the country um, in terms of beer quality. Um able to make beer not able to keep up and you know then you've got at the very small end just about every craft brewery with excess capacity taking in nomad brewers and you know people who want to 
you know, increase their capacity a, without yep. investing. Or, or can, yeah, for the first time or, yeah, or yeah. test the market. Yeah, yep. Uh, hawkers, lots of breweries are doing that. And isn't it, isn't it funny too, Matt, that in the, the last couple of weeks we've specifically spoken about the power or the advantage or the marketing boost that you get by having a face. So, you know, people didn't talk about Southern Bay they talked about Hendo at Southern and Bay. And Hot Bazooka and, you know, yeah. And, yeah, and, you know, the yeah. So you had, you, you could associate the, a per, you know, a personality with the, with, with the product kind of thing. Uh, and I think when you lose that, you, you do lose a bit of traction. So you go, oh, I'm not quite sure who's making it down there now, or I'm not sure. Uh, and you're more likely to go. So, well, that's go, a dangerous oh. game to play, though, isn't it? Because if you well, tie so the brand to the, f- the person, the person leaves, people have things going on in their lives. They're not always going to be there. Like, it's a dangerous one to do. That is true, but Hot Bazooka and Requiem mm-hmm. were still getting plenty of traction long after Hendo left. Okay. Uh, okay, but, so the beer brand. So, yeah, so yeah. his fingerprints were on those on beers, and so yeah, people yeah. still, okay, as long as they're brewing it to that same recipe, then, you know, um, I, I would trust that that product. I don't yeah. know, you know, I yeah. don't think many people thought that, you know, Hendo was there uh, sweating over a mash paddle. But even if you didn't know, you, you, like you, it, it's the power of brand. You see it, yeah. and there's a consistency You make those associations. It. But that's one of the inherent fascinating things about the industry is that brands can only grow so far tied unless your personal brand as a brewer grows to become superstar in Mm -hmm. which you can quickly become overcooked Mm. you know in in a broader market and you become you know like a celebrity chef Um, yeah yeah but the the beer market is everyone eats food not everyone drinks beer so you know there there is that scalability of a chef's brand um, I would argue but having a like a Hendo or you know like a, a a Rockstar brewer, for want of a better term, um, behind your brand can only scale so far because if the market doesn't grows beyond mm-hmm. caring about who makes a beer and it's just the brand, yeah. um, it does inevitably have to get a little bit more mm, generic. I don't know if it's quite the word, but a little bit of wider appeal, which might not necessarily be tied to the person. Which is what we talked about independence things. last week. You know, yeah. independence can take your brand so far, but then when you cross over into the mainstream market and, you know, Brewdog famously said, we will never advertise. In one of their first ads. Uh, well, <laughs> Probably, and, yeah. Yeah, well, and, you know, and, and you know, doing that thing, oh, you know, we're just going to shock and, you know, be newsworthy mm-hmm. because that's better than advertising. Yeah. But that only goes so far. Um, and sooner or later, you need to reach outside of the audience that cares about craft beer news and... That's where advertising takes you, you know, is the next stage of your rocket ship to get you into orbit. But before we move on, um, just I think to the probably the biggest problem was consistency and quality, which in an, mm. an older system, you can only get so much out of it. And when everyone else in the market is kind of moving so much further ahead, I think that was that was always the death knell um, for the brand. They, they either had to update significantly or suffer the consequences. Yeah. Now, our next story, uh, Claire. Now, Young Henry's, um, you know, very much inner city Sydney hipster brand um, associated with um, with green. Um, <laughs> but this time um, they're making international headlines with um, algae. <laughs> they are indeed. So you might remember. Algae. Or is it algae? Al- algae. <laughs> is that algae? Say whatever you like. I've got over it now. I think you just say whatever you think it is. We all get you. Uh, anyway, so you might have meant. Um, in fact, this was last year, Pete. We did the f- we covered the first uh, stage of the Young Henry's algae project, which was basically to see if algae could grow in a be looked after in a brewing setting, and that whether it would like the CO two that's emitted from the fermentation process, and whether we could grow algae in a brewery effectively. So now this next stage, this and this has been a long-term project. I didn't realise that they'd actually started this in 2018. Um, so they are fully dedicated to this. Didn't uh, you read Brews News in 2018? Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't <laughs> think I was even in the country in 2018. I'm just waiting till you get to the uh, the methane out. Have you got a joke? No, no, no. Uh, I just want to see how you... <laughs> okay, you're, right. you're just going to gonna sail straight through it. It's going to be perfect. Just ignore it completely. <laughs> Um, basically what they're doing in this next stage is seeing what they can do with this algae. So they had the idea initially that they want to reduce methane output of livestock. So they're working with um, the farming industry in Australia uh, to try and basically find a strain of uh, like an algal species that Lots of livestock, including (laughs) no, that you can feed them lambs or cattle or whatever. Yeah, so you can feed them that and basically their methane output. uh... What's what's that process called? (laughs) Okay, wait, let me have a go. Methanogenesis. 
Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. Go on, Pete. And there's your, there's your cold open joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is it methanogenesis? Methanogenesis, You've yes. been practicing, haven't you? Yeah, that's not fair, Pete. It's that was my first time it. saying it out loud. It's methane and genesis with an O in the middle. <laughs> well, I thought Phil Collins was in genesis. <laughs> he was, yeah. Yeah, he Sorry. held him back. <laughs> as as you said, I write my own material. <laughs> so, yeah. Young Henry's carrying on the project. Um, total dedication from the brewers there. They have to not only look after the yeast and the brewing operations and everything else they do at the brewery. Uh, they now also have to look at al- look after algae. So <laughs> good on them. Well done. And I can't. I just we're not yeast we... farmers. We're algae farmers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and watch out uh, cool. in the coming months for um, Young Henry's new release, which will be the uh, Cow Fart Fest beer. <laughs> We'd like that, won't we? Uh, paper or plastic? Indeed. What, what are you, Claire? Are you a paper or plastic girl? Uh, because of being European, I'd probably go paper because um, I'm more used to paper labels. Um, and that was an interesting thing that came out of this article. So um, last month, uh, Lion announced that it was trying to get rid of paper labels and packaging. And that got us to thinking, so no, it was what? Mo- wasn't it the other way around? Oh, Were what they did trying I say? to move to paper labels? Oh, sorry, yes. Move to paper and, away and from plastic. get rid of the yes, shrink wrap. that's it. And plastic labels. Plastic. Thanks, yeah. Pete. Yeah, appreciate that. That's right. I'm here to help. <laughs> You're so good. Um, but so we were thinking, you know, why is that an issue? What's the, what's going on with this? Which one is actually more sustainable? Is it? And this is for cans and bottles, not just. Um, so Lion was specifically talking about bottles, but obviously cans are more prevalent in craft, and it's an issue for us either way. We often use either um, plastic labels or uh, shrink wrap, uh, shrink sleeves. Uh, as Rawlings, I spoke to Brad at Rawlings for this one, um, which is fantastic. And thank you, Brad. I know you're listening. Um, and it was really what, what interesting. What number did you use to get them on? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Uh, it is one three hundred eight five two two three five. Pete, if you want to get to hold learn, of Rawlings. did you did you learn more? I did learn more. Yeah, <laughs> did you dis- sorry? Did you discuss further? I did discuss further, quite a bit Excellent. further actually. And it was really interesting because, as I say, uh, in Europe uh, and and other countries uh, in that sort of northern hemisphere where it's a bit colder, we do tend to use. Not everybody, obviously, but we do tend to use um, paper labels with water-based glue. Now, over here, you can't do that because people, like, the conditions are harsher. You, it won't last, practically. You're chucking it in an esky full of water. That is going to slip right off that label. So this is why people use um, plastic backing and then, like, the special glue on the back of it and then, obviously, the front of the label. So e- whether you have paper or a plastic label, that backing that you have to pull off, uh, that is going in the bin or that is going into landfill or whatever. So really... And because of the ceramic coating. Ex- you know, it's exactly. designed to... yeah. So I, you could incinerate, I guess. Um, but again, we want to be recycling more than we want to be incinerating. So what basically came out of this for me was how strife and complex and difficult coming up with a solution to this is. You know, we're trying to decide between utility and sustainability. And, you know, walking that line is so hard. Uh, and obviously, we met, we mentioned uh, East Coast Canning a few months ago. They'd got a big grant. Um, so they're doing direct to can. So that's going to be Brad and Chris from uh, Brad from Rellings and Chris from East Coast both were saying, "Look, this is probably going to be the future for us. It's technology that we haven't got over here yet um, for this sector of the market, and it's something that we will be and they're both going to be investing in in future. Um, so we'll see more of that certainly, and that in itself is going to help uh, with waste and, and getting rid of a lot of wasted from um, packaging. So." It's really interesting that everyone's thinking about this and we're moving towards this, um, but it's just something to keep in mind when you're deciding on your labels. It's one of the things I find you know, a, a little bit frustrating when people suddenly go, oh, cans are better than bottles, you know, and they slice it one way, mm-hmm. um, as if, well, if you switch all of your purchasing to cans, there, there are so many variables and there are so many things, and you can't consume your way out of the challenges that yep. we as humans face. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, James Perrin, uh, Stonewood Sustainability Manager, always says, actually, the most sustainable way you can drink beer is straight out of the tap at the brewery, zero distribution, zero packaging, just straight from the tank. Mm. And you don't have to worry about any of this then. Obviously, that's not... <laughs> oh, and going back to our earlier, everyone, yeah. earlier story, uh, I remember speaking to Dave Benighton way back in the early days, and I've said this a couple of times on the show. Um, he said, you know, ideally, it, it, there's, there's not a brewer out there that wouldn't... Um, anything other than putting your beer into uh, a keg is, uh, is, is a compromise. Mm. And... Mm-hmm. 
And I said, yeah, that, that's fine until, you know, you've got to carry a six-pack home. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's fine so long as you call your beer draft ale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and look, we should point out too that, you know, like the, 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 the plastic, the shrink wrapping and all that sort of stuff, it, 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 it is an issue. Um, but uh, I, no, I'm pretty sure that Relling's label stickers and packaging are able to not supply just labels, um, but they also do other stuff that's not plastic. So like printed or blank cartons, they do can trays, tap decals, barcodes, uh, shrink sleeves, which probably do a bit of plastic, um, but they're already <laughs> applied to, to the empty beer cans uh, ready for filling. So the cans come to your door palletised and ready to fill. Nothing more to do except to call 1300 852 235, as Claire said. Um, and you're probably thinking, well, geez, we're going to have to update a few other things there too. So um, you might want to call Scar Fabricating because they build reliable automated packaging line equipment um, that is handcrafted, uh, dare I say, artisanal. And um, it makes life easier for brewers and their production team. So if you're a brewer who's looking for the best way to get your product out of your tap room and into the hands of your customers, Scarfab has you covered. With a wide range of depelletizers, custom conveyance, date coating, rinsing, drying systems, and a whole lot more, Scarfab specialises in helping breweries of all size get their beer from keg to can. To find out more, get onto Scarfab. That's skafabricating.com to get started today. Back to you, Claire. That was amazing. That's about as seamless as you can get. That was bloody beautiful. Seamless, just like a direct-to-can print. Um, (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the the complexities of being environmentally friendly and, you know, soft footprints on the earth and all of those sorts of things. You know, you you talked about the most economic, the most environmentally friendly way to drink beer is at the brewery. Now, you can't always do that it's actually discouraged matt that people walk into a brewery and just stick their lips around <laughs> yeah. the uh the sample but also you know a, a small a, brewery a, you know, is never going to be as <laughs> yeah a, a small brewery is never going to be as efficient and environmentally friendly as low water use as low mm-hmm. power use as you know the the big breweries um and whilst we celebrate you know again no dog in this hunt but you know on one hand we should say small local breweries are fantastic and they are for this whole subset of reasons but then you know the, the big breweries are also very very efficient um because being efficient is very very costly and it can, can you know it, it it's costs a lot of money um and might be worthwhile talking about helios in brisbane for example which really has invested in their sustainability you know potentially you know on on when you look at the expenditure overcapitalized if you look at a dollar return from it on on one level but they are so sustainable and this week we're recognized um, for their sustainability at the uh, Brisbane Lord Mayor's sustainability awards I believe yeah but we're looking into that story so yeah Yeah. very very complex business um, and I get really Frustrated when I see immediately saying we are X because of Y when mm-hmm. you know Y is one of you know thirty potential variables. Yeah, absolutely. So just quickly because I suspect that uh, a bit of the chatter around this might come up in uh, below the fold because I might bring it up. But uh, Stomping Grounds Nectaron of the Gods, their New Zealand IPA, won the uh, the Gabs Can Design Award. Claire, they have indeed, um, and it was a bloody good one. I'll give them that. It was lovely. Um, And they were closely followed by uh, Black Flags Kick-Ons and El Jefe by Ether, uh, which is also really cool. You're going to tell them that one? That's well good. So yeah, well done. Spanish listeners out there, of course, uh, Claire meant El Jefe. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Come on now, I'm from Northern England, all right. Don't expect (laughs) me to do a proper accent. (laughs) El Jeff, isn't it? El Jeff, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it, love? All gone with you. Anyway, uh, but so no, well, well done, and and look, a great, um, a great initiative to, uh, to recognise. I, I guess they are really the forgotten heroes of of craft beer, if you like, um, because as we've said before, you know, you back in the day, uh, you know, and let's you know name check Mountain Goat again for the third time this episode, but uh, yeah, they had it really tough because they were the only thing that wasn't mainstream beer but it was you know not not too sure now you go you know 15 20 years later and all of a sudden there's so much to choose from that you you know something like mountain goat can can easily get lost in the white noise in the on the shelf so to be able to i guess have your brand jump out is a real credit to to the designers because it has to you know you've got a, a second of of um you know eye time to to sell what it is and to grab somebody's attention and to to give them oh I, I want to look at that or, or what is it or or to immediately look at it and go oh yeah uh, lager or it's a pale ale or it's a whatever it might be so yeah. it's it's good that they're recognised I reckon 
Uh, Mighty Craft are optimistic as lockdowns uh, lift. They are indeed. So we've obviously mentioned Minecraft um, in the past and really interesting just following their progress and how everything's going. So this is the first quarter of their 2022 financial year. Um, made $11.4 million in receipts from customers, which is a massive improvement. Um, but they also made a net loss um, of $5.5 million from operating activities. Mark Hazeman even admitted uh, in his comments on that that it was an incredibly tough period and I'm sure loads of other people will understand what he means when he says that. Interesting then that they ended that period uh, with the sale or the proposed sale of the Hunter Valley site and the sale and lease back of Jetty Road in Dramana. So we'll see how it goes with them. Uh, It has been a really difficult time. They're talking about um, moving into spirits. They put a few things on pause for this like first half of the year and they're sort of bringing it all back I think they're really pinning their hopes and and are optimistic for when things uh, open up again that that they're going to see a little bit of a turnaround in fortunes on that one so we'll see how they go Um, but as Matt said um, previously I believe they are in a currently in a trading halt so putting a pause on trading shares until Friday yet tomorrow so not sure what that is we'll see we'll see what no I don't know a lot about stock markets and things like that. But does that mean that they have suspended Yes, yeah, so they've um, trading, asked, or asked, you get some, Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. They've asked okay, the markets to pause trading can on we have their a, Can we have a breather? Yeah, can yeah we have exactly. A, a, a I think it's also because rumours start spreading. And it's about price-sensitive information. If there's yeah. price-sensitive information out there in the market that could affect their share price, that's when they have to put a pause on it. I think that's a really <laughs> nebulous concept, though, because what is price-sensitive I, really, well, yeah. if it's major, absolutely. But then we've seen some trading halts where it was like, "Oh, we have a distribution agreement." Well, well but that's no, your job. no, but that's brew. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's brew trying to sort of, but <laughs> you make a fairly minor thing look like it's. But, what they should be doing day to day, but then major issue, things that are actually price sensitive, <laughs> like the fact that we aren't going to get the. $30 billion out of China that we promised you, <laughs> that just trickles on unannounced for, for, for years. So, yeah, let, let, so let's keep through as a subset yeah, okay. of the... Right, uh, but I don't know what the rules are of what you can... There is a rule, consider, rule around There are it. rules around it, but I think it's very vague. I think it's like whatever you think could it's, be approached. It's, it's what you yeah. think. And as with anything, it's then post-facto determined. Yeah. If you didn't announce something, the ASX... Um, you might get a smack. Yeah, can, can give you a, a yeah, smack, exactly. but you know, haven't seen a lot of that. Um, yeah. There we go. And look, it's it's all I guess all tied in with you know your fiscal responsibility to your your shareholders and the market and you know fair trading and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Got to got to be rules. Yeah. Uh, someone else who loves rules, uh, the ATO. <laughs> Uh, Claire, has extended the packaging concessions. They have indeed. Uh, so you might remember that uh, venues are allowed to repackage beer. Takeaway containers. It was very much a big issue during COVID when we had lots of kegs sitting around at venues. People weren't sure what to do with them. And that has been extended to the 31st of January. So you can still repackage any beer you have um, into cans, growlers, whatever you want to do with it until the 31st of January. Uh, and I'll, we'll see how it goes with that because there's a few things that have we've talked about previously on the podcast uh, that were implemented during COVID and that have now been made permanent so i'm not saying it will but could be interesting to see if they would do that you never know you never know it's a funny old world it is and the news of which ends here so if you need to get back to work or uh sweat over a mash paddle like endo (laughs) used to do yeah right um (laughs) oh oh, one day one day you did long time ago but anyway get out of hendo that's it for uh for the news so uh off you go but if you want to hang around you're more than welcome because The fun just never ends. In fact, sometimes it never starts. And this is what we call Below the Fold. And Below the Fold is opened up with Mailbag. Mailbag is thanks to New Zealand Ale Trail. Our friends at uh, New Zealand Ale Trail would encourage you to head to www.nzaletrail.com or at nzaletrail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. And with the awards, um, New Zealand Brewers Guild Awards announced this week, uh, in between this and the last time you heard from us, there might be some new breweries on your radar. 
and uh, that radar can be very finely honed by our friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. They'll um, point you in the right direction. Now, don't forget, you can review us on iTunes, send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group, just join Radio Brews News and use this password soapbox and review us on iTunes and all that sort of thing. Leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or any favourite podcasting app because it costs you nothing. Uh, but a little bit of your time, and it helps other beer lovers to discover the podcast. Uh, what's in the mailbag this week, Claire? Oh, we've got a few bits and bobs. Um, there was a nice one following our chat last week about brew pubs and whether they're welcoming to families and stuff, not just um, ah, yeah. a, yep. a, a, specific, a specific portion of the uh, male population. Uh, so Ryan Watts commented... Ryan? Uh, oh, Ryan. I, I would have said Ryan. Ryan. Why? <laughs> it's not R-Y-A-N. Yeah. But there's a H in it. Well, there could be a silent H. All right, yeah. okay. Well, let us know, <laughs> Mr. Anyway, White. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure he'll let us know because he's going to let us know so we can send him a barblade. That's it. That's right. Um, I just wanted to comment on the last podcast. I have four kids and enjoy a beer and I prefer to take my kids to my local brew pub, Brendale. Whoop, whoop. Uh, as they are not exposed to pokies and the normal things that happen at a pub. I don't know what that is referring to, but anyway. Just make sure uh, you declare allegiances. Just yep. get bloody James Davidson happy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Ryan and the team try very hard to make all the family welcome. Thanks for all you do at Bruce News and always are waiting for your next podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, very that's much. very nice. That's lovely. Isn't it? But it do, it do, he does oh, raise yeah. a, a, a point and it is, it is very different when you become a family person. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, your priorities change yeah. and, um, you know, the things that you are happy to be exposed to but you don't necessarily want kids exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if beer, uh, beer garden, you know, pubs with beer gardens that are dog-friendly, um, you know, there's all sorts of things that um, – yeah. and it's great that growing up and when I first – when I got my drinker's licence, you know, it was pretty much cookie cutter. If you were in the inner city, all the pubs were kind of the same – um, and the the big suburban beer barns were all kind of the same. Which is Queensland, you know, thanks to pokies and the Queensland mm-hmm. licensing laws. Yeah. Um, and yeah. they're actually punitive towards small craft beer bars. Yep. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, no, thank you very much, Ryan, for uh, for your comments. And and cheers to everyone out at, uh, at, at Brendale. You didn't read out the reply that he got? Oh. Cheers, mate. Thanks for the comment. Oh, this is your address. Matt. We'll send you a bar yep. blade. Yep. You'll probably see Claire at Brendale. Hell, yeah, you will. I'm off tonight, everyone. <laughs> Actually, I think I swings I, tonight. Yeah, maybe I, I, I posted so many barblades, I can't remember. So maybe I have already sent Ryan one. Hopefully, you enjoy it. I, I, good luck opening your cans with it. <laughs> and please just form an orderly stampede. Um, like Claire's more than happy to sign as many autographs, <laughs> and have, have pictures taken, do selfies, and that But just be kind and you know, and gentle, and and you know, um, make sure you're wearing a mask. Well, you might have heard that there's ads for brew staff in beers of conversation. Contagious. Yes, uh, that's me. And he specifically asked. He sort of said, "No offense, Matt. Would you mind if Claire did the uh, voiceover <laughs> work?" Um, and, and I nearly did it in one, didn't I? I had a small false start, but then I just went straight for it. But he was disappointed <laughs> there was no boom at the end of the ad. <laughs> oh, you got to pay extra for that. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt no, that's, does. That's that's copywritten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a that's a completely different. Uh, you're going to speak to Claire's manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. A comment uh, regarding stone and wood. Indeed, uh, from Kalani. Stone Paul. and wood in the news. Oh, I don't know. I will hope, can't yeah. remember. Well, we kept <laughs> we we kept our um, podcast pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah, we did. We just let it. It was just for the listeners. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's how podcasts work. They're for listeners. <laughs> oh, no, but you know, we, we we didn't sort of put out the funnel. Yeah, we didn't make um, a big hoo ha about it. You say, yeah. hey, look over here. There's something really interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, anyway, Kalani says, great episodes team. Uh, as Pacific Ale was the beer that not only got me into craft beer, but even to drink beer, I have a very soft spot for it, even though I haven't had it in quite a while. The thing with myself is I just never thought they would ever sell. Same. Uh, they were so staunch and being independent, and yes, I feel a bit cheated, but I can't blame them for taking money because it would have been huge and hard to knock back. I wonder if it all started when Lion were offering tap contracts and telling publicans they can't have stone and wood on tap because it seems like a quick sale and it wasn't that long ago that information was coming out. That, I think the speed of it quite was a surprise for me as well. Like usually, like the Bolt thing, you hear about it for ages and it's not a surprise and well, uh, it's like... We'll never think, know. Eh, we, were, we were never in the room. No. So we'll, we'll never we'll know. We'll never know. And, you know, on one hand... You'd think that if it was very long, then the narrative around independence may have changed um, earlier. You know, certainly there was a lot of drum beating uh, about, you know, we we could IPO or we could do this, we could do that, you know, all of which is 
you know, it's just like when you're selling a house. You know, you, you want to get as much interest as you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. they might do an IPO instead of go with us. Yeah. We'll offer them more. We've got an ensuite, you know, <laughs> <laughs> near schools. Um, so, yeah, but um, so look, I, I would know, buy I'd, a house that had an ensuite near schools. I think <laughs> there have been a lot of conspiracies around who knew what and when and things like that. But, you know, yeah, it, it, just interesting from that that seem to think that independence was a big part of the brand where the mm. you know, storytelling out of the sale was yeah. not independent. Because sometimes I do think, oh, maybe we just saw that because we see a lot of the marketing and we see a lot because of what we do day in, day out. But to have other people say that as well, it kind of cements that that was... And again, as, you know, without doing the very long-winded explanations for last week, you know, to go to the next stage, they probably needed to outgrow that independence. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they launched the Clear Bottle Lager, as they said, you know, they were playing to an audience that didn't necessarily invest in independence. They could possibly have got there, but they weren't, mm-hmm. in my view, there yet. Um, yeah. And it, it's interesting to see how many people who are interested in craft beer, um, mm-hmm. the people that got them there, uh, you know, agreed. There we go. Uh, there's oh, mm-hmm. one other comment in there. Oh, here we go. Here we go. RE pop culture references. <laughs> this one's from Paul James. <laughs> Prof's pop culture references are always on point. Sorry, Claire. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say... Can you Kent, say that again? Paul James, please get in touch with us with your postal address so we can send you a bar blade. <laughs> also, let me know your age because I'm willing to bet that there's a certain, you know, uh, pop culture <laughs> references are on point. To people of my age um, would be the completion of that sentence. I, I do I would, like Bill and Ted, though. Yeah, but yeah, I would like I to say a small that most child of my there are some look, there are two types of pop culture references that I do. There's well, yeah. ones that are that are you know general and to be uh, generally and and widely enjoyed, and there yeah. are others that I just do just to tickle my own fancy. <laughs> I like that. I respect that. When you start talking about Squid Game and stuff, though, then I'll know you're cool and I've updated you. But no, so it's it's yeah, it's a little bit like um, <laughs> Game of Thrones. I haven't watched an episode. Oh, we no, shall Squid, not speak of that. Squid Games, well worth watching. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Banging. Um, he said, anyway, so just start that again, Claire. What was, <laughs> okay. what was, what was Paul's comment? Because we've, we've just got off track. Yes, we did. Uh, you just want to hear it again, don't you? Just read it nice and clearly. <laughs> Prof's pop culture references are always on point. Sorry, Claire. But the Bill and Ted reference this week was perfect. Well played, mate. Be excellent to each other, indeed. Thank you, Paul. You work. It was pretty good, yeah. I mean, it's important to be nice, but it's nice to be important. No, it's the other <laughs> way around. Oh, brilliant. It's nice to be important, but it is important to be nice. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's what I was getting at last week. So, mm. yeah. Michael Mikehead, possibly not his real name. Uh, uh, Claire yeah, said. Uh, Any bursting of the seltzer bubble will be greeted with lashings of schadenfreude around here, I expect. And this was on a uh, an article Michael posted about truly seltzer having to be chucked down the drain. And the quote was, so rather than take a chance of it getting out into the market and going stale and consumers having a bad experience, we decided that to make the hard decision and eat a lot of product just to make sure consumers didn't get stale product and have a, tru- a bad truly. <laughs> Nothing worse than when your seltzer is past its prime. <laughs> I and I posted underneath that that I thought they were like Twinkies and that you know they would exactly. last an apocalypse. But I genuinely didn't even think about them having a sad That shit will outlast the cockroaches <laughs> and the yeah. McDonald's hamburgers. Seriously. Or maybe because yeah. like the fruit flavorings and things like that. Yeah. Mm. But uh, look, I, I, the, the only thing I want to say about that is no, no. I mean, no, shouldn't Schadenfreude. It's. Mm. <laughs> I think sometimes people put a little bit too much emphasis on the things we say on the podcast, you know, in terms of if if you like seltzer, go for it. But we talk about it on its impact um, on on the brewing industry and what it's going to mean about people's perceptions of beer and brewing and tax and those sorts of things. That's where we sort of come from. No, you know, seltzer is seltzer, um, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, good, and good I think was it, it was Trev Burks, I think, might have made the comment that, you know, the – they could have just used that instead of tipping it all out. They could have just sent it here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I wonder if they could have distilled it um, oh. and, and made a seltzer spirit. Oh, truly, what? What unholy thing are you making? That sounds You could distill beer and sort of make it like a um, a, yeah, a beer spirit, and then you can you know, make distill wine. I wonder what it. I distilled. still haven't fully wrapped my head around how you make a seltzer. So, or maybe I can't just comment. make. Yeah. Take it a step further, Matt. Seltzer vinegar. Seltzer vinegar. Oh. 
<laughs> seltzer sanitizer. Watermelon vinegar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's right, seltzer hand sanitizer. That, that just sells itself. <laughs> but it is interesting to see how, again, it's one of those things, obviously bullishness from truly about how much they were going to sell. Yep. Didn't sell it. It's still a juggernaut in the US. We're starting to see the announcements about the summer of seltzer here, new product launches here. Going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, yeah. And also very interesting that at the same time that they're dumping a lot of seltzer, they're yeah. producing it here, hoping to capitalise, expand the market. So, mm. And we should point out too that you know, California's got nearly twice the population of the whole of Australia. So it's not like, look, you have an advantage, you know, the summer of seltzer in, in the US yeah. with 350, 340-odd million population versus our 26 and a half. It's, it's, oh, so uh, you think it's not going to be as well? It's obviously not going to be as big volume. Well, your numbers but, are always going to no. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. a niche, like a, a niche in the US, is a pretty substantial niche, which is what we always yeah. said about craft beer as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New York Times article was an interesting one, Claire. This one was an interesting one. It was dead. Well, we, we have spoken about the uh, the responsibility mm. that brewery tap rooms have to their, I guess, to, at the end of the day, their customer is the person who drinks their beer. Yeah. You can argue that that customer can go into the pub up the next block um, or on the other side of the country or in another country. It's still your customer. Do you have a responsibility, do you think, to the the bars that are buying your beer? You still want it. Yeah, at the end of the day, to not undercut them to, well, how do you not grow so big that they become, not obsolete, but they get pushed out? Like, do you take that into consideration or do you say, well, you know, people want us at the at the brewery, at our venue, so that kind of makes them obsolete. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was funny that the Onion had that cartoon about, you know, bar yeah, closes because yeah, there's, yeah, you know, yeah. local council made them install uh, a, br- you know, a microbrewery, a microbrewery. Yeah. <laughs> which was picking up on the same theme that people are going to microbreweries. We are seeing bars doing that. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, specialty craft beer bars, a little bit like beer festivals, you know, they, they were very important to the start of craft beer where you couldn't get craft beer. So it provided that experience. Mm-hmm. It was the only exposure that a lot of the smaller breweries, particularly who, you know, didn't even can their product or whatever. That was the only chance you could get brand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, craft beer bars provided that specialty option um, where you could get the, the beers, you could go there. Um, although, you know, as Luke said, um, you know, Luke tilts. So Luke, if you don't have a barblade, please let us know. I think we've got to stop thinking of them in the sense of a beer bar or a cocktail bar and just great spaces with great product service. And, and that's what we've been mm. saying for a long time. You know, yeah. craft yeah. beer isn't something that needs its own, you know, little bubble um, of a venue, um, particularly as we see more and more venues. Um, go, and it was the popularity of craft beer bars that actually forced a lot of the bigger um, pub venues to put on craft beer because they were losing market share. You know, they, they were losing people who were going to the craft beer venues. But then you're having to compete against, you know, the, the big venues who are changing their offering and modernising and, you know, getting with it. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you're having your lunch cut by the people who want to have... Um, the in-venue experience of seeing the tanks there. And you know, beer festivals are a little bit the same, but it's, it's, it's like anything specialty. So I thought that uh, Matt uh, Emerson, owner of Brewski, one of Brisbane's best specialty craft beer bars, or arguably best specialty craft uh, beer bar, um, bar for sale, apply within. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I think there'll always be a place, you know, again, um, you probably can't have 50 specialty beer bars because... Mm-hmm. They're not as needed as they once were, and there's not the market share. Yeah, but a really good, um, you know, it, it's not the death of the craft beer bar, and no one's saying that. But those sorts of articles are really fascinating ways that I think they're the anvil upon which you have to, you know, temper your idea. Um, you know, if, if you want to open a beer bar, you need to take that thing in, and well, how does my specialty beer bar stand if there is a dimin? Dem- diminution of the uh, beer market. There was my... Um, hey, finally. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so just a really, really interesting read. And as always, the discussion that took place in our uh, Facebook group uh, was very, very illuminating. Yeah, and thank you again to our listeners and readers for um, their polite and thoughtful and uh, interesting discussion. And Pete, just one uh, last, by the way, from last week. Um, apparently, some people took the view that we were having a go at Good Beer Week. 
um, when we were talking about artisanal. Um, and well, mm. did we talk about? Was that in the context of Good Beer Week? Yeah, in the yeah. context of Good Beer Week. Because it was the definition. Oh, yeah. of we were talking what is about the, the charter. The, de- yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the definition. The, no, we were just talking about the definition of. Well, we're talking about the definition of artisanal, but then also the juxtaposition, you know, of an event run by the IBA, not exclusively celebrating independence, you know, and whether the commercial realities of that, you know, have an impact on consumers' minds. And then I, I think I also said, uh, you know, maybe they're overcomplicating it with all of these rules around, you know, what good beer is. Um, so I don't know, but you know, certainly nice light. We'll be there yeah. with bells yeah. on um, Good Beer Week. Uh, and the other thing, too, apropos our previous discussion uh, earlier um, and a little bit before, was that Good Beer Week started in a very different um, landscape to what we're to what we're looking at Absolutely. now. I mean, independence wasn't a thing. It was an, an even craft beer in 2011, 2012, when when Good Beer Week started getting a little bit of traction was or started um, was you know we were, we were kind of moving away. Oh, boutique microbrewery. Oh, is that that boutique? Why well, is that like um, homebrew? <laughs> boutique. It's like homebrew, is it? And and so there were all like you know there was a very different market. There was availability was obviously very different. Um, there were probably only two or three venues outside of, um, you know, craft beer venues that, that were in the in those early programs. Uh, now, you know, every restaurant and every, um, you know, food truck and whatever, everyone, it, there's, there's so, many, so many more people involved in, in Good Beer Week. You see the sticker on so many more uh, venues than, than what you did. So, yeah, it's, it wasn't... No, there's no criticism there. It was just, no, uh, it, it, but, it, but it is worth pointing out that, yeah, the landscape has has changed and maybe, uh, as Claire pointed out, uh, showed us last week, maybe artisanal doesn't mean the same thing to, you know, or doesn't have the same traction. Trying to define the that. Same way yeah. that yeah, yeah, Let, let's Absolutely. face it, we, we had a decade of trying to define what craft is and now... You know, Did the, you like the definition that I sent you, Claire, after we recorded last week? That was week? lovely. Well, I was, was trying to find it that. at the time because yeah. um, I'd seen it, it carved, you know, like a you know, hand carved in, in, a, in a woodworking thing. And I thought, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a really uh, a really good way to sum it up. That's it. If you work with your hands, you're a labourer. If you work with your hands and your mind, you're a craftsman. If you work with your hands and your mind and your heart, you're an artist. That was lovely. Yeah. Pete, you have a great saying that I, I, I need to remember. That, you know, about going and asking uh, a stone cutter, um, what do you do? Oh, the three stone cutters. Yeah, the three yeah. stone cutters. Just, just because I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that you know, it, it's all about mindset and attitude. Yeah, yeah. I used to uh, just when I was a manager, I used to you know with with staff, and I'd, I'd tell them this little story, and um, you know, a bloke happens upon uh, a building, and uh, there are three stonemasons, and he walks up to the first one, and says, "What, what are you doing?" And the bloke says, "I'm, I'm cutting stones." What does it look like? Oh, okay. Moves on to the the second bloke. So what are you doing? He goes, what am I doing? I'm earning $13 an hour. What does it look like I'm doing? And he went to the third one and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm part of crafting what will hopefully be one of the world's finest cathedrals and people for generations to come will, um, you know, they won't know that I'm even part of it, but I will be part of something that's that's bigger than all so, you know, it's You can get as sucky as you, as you want, but it basically yeah. sort of says you, they're all doing exactly the same job how you look at, um, and it's this whole thing of, you know, labour um, and value and um, and all that sort of thing. And once you put humanity into the job, it's completely different. It's not just, oh, I'm working for the man. Oh, I'm a slave to the capitalist system. And, you know, you can make up whatever excuses you want. But at the end of the day, uh, as a manager, I used to just say to people, whatever you do, just do it to the best of your ability. You know, just be the best dishwasher that you can be because that's the one who's going to get plucked out and, and put into the kitchen or put into the the waiter's position or and who ends up running the company not not the guy who pisses and moans because he's only earning 13 bucks an hour or i've, I've washed your dishes so that's you know i've done my job you want to get into brewing start on the packaging line show them what an asset you are because you're not just packaging you're not putting beer in boxes you're getting beer you know you're getting the same beer that you want to make out to people and if you'd like to sponsor pete's homily of the week um <laughs> <laughs> that was a n- n- nice way to finish and round it out nicely with a at around about the hour Ah, so nice. on that, there's nothing left for us to do except to thank uh, the people who make this possible, uh, beginning with and in no particular order, but starting with Cryer Malt, Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, Scar Fabricating and New Zealand Ale Trail. Uh, and thank you, Matt. And thank you, Claire. Thank you, Pete. Cheers, Pete. That's all right. So until next week, uh, that's been Bruges News Week for this week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum, and it's been a pleasure. Until next week, drink fresh, drink local, drink at a brew pub or a tap room. 
or a craft beer venue. Look after yourselves and each other. And would it kill you to wash your damn hands? And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.